Welcome to Ebtide Wellness, where you learn mindfulness-based techniques to help you meet the flow of your life. Here, we authentically explore what is going on within us to best meet what is happening around us. There's no stopping life, but we can meet it no matter what the tide. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Rupp, inviting you to be Ebtide Well. Welcome to Eptide Wellness, the podcast. I'm Dr. Heather Rupp, your host, and today I'm going to start out with one of my favorite poems by Aaron Hansen called Not. You are not your age, nor the size of the clothes you wear. You are not a weight or the color of your hair. You are not your name or the dimples in your cheeks. You are all the books you read and all the words you speak. You are your croaky morning voice and the smiles you try to hide. You're the sweetness in your laughter and every tear you've cried. You're the songs you sing so loudly when you know you're all alone. You're the places that you've been to and the one that you call home. You're the thing that you believe in and the people that you love. You're the photos in your bedroom and the future you dream of. You're made of so much beauty, but it seems that you forgot when you decided that you were defined by all the things you're not. So I love this because it really puts a definition to who are we? Are you the sort of negative photo of yourself? What's missing? Where you don't see yourself shining? Or are you what you actually are? And this gets us into the idea of who's defining what we are not. Where does this comparison come from? So it's often ourselves looking around. Maybe it's at the social media where everybody's life is so perfect. Or maybe it's in the marketing materials of our magazines and TV shows that are intentionally trying to show us what we're not, or maybe it's coming from within your own head with some expectations you have for yourself that are just too much. So it's easy to define ourselves, to identify not by all the things that we are, which is actually what we are, (laughs) by the way, but by all the things in which we see, nope, that's not here. That's lacking. That's failing. Um, I am defined by where I'm not measuring up. And if our definition is coming from that, you can imagine the self-worth and the value we place on ourselves is also not very high. And our capacity to live a life that's ours and satisfying and, dare I say, even happy is very far behind. And so think about, you know, who do you compare yourself to? It could be a sibling. It could be an expectation that your parents or a teacher had for you. As many of you know, I have a twin sister. (laughs) So like the idea of identifying myself as where I'm not something is very available to me. I mean, from every memory I have growing up, the outside world was trying to identify my sister and I by how we were not each other. And I don't think it was ill-intentioned. I think they were generally trying to tell us apart. But <laughs> but it was hard 
people, you know, to be constantly scrutinized for where one twin is more than the other. And of course, there's some nice things people say, but then it's like slamming a bit the other one of us. And even when people are saying things they don't intend as being negative or positive, of course, that's how we internalize it. So from a very young age, you know, physically, mentally, everything, Tracy and I were called, oh, she's that one. Or um, they're different because, I mean, there's nothing I hate more, and I um, know none of my friends who listen do this, than hearing someone say, oh, no, this is how you tell them apart, because I just find it so cringy to be dissected for the differences I have with my sister. But to be to example, I mean, really my whole life, Tracy, my sister, has been called the nice one. And I'm very okay at this age of not being necessarily considered nice. In fact, I strive not to be nice, but to be kind um, and authentic and truthful. And Tracy is very nice. And then I was the um, the confident one. So Tracy was nice and I was determined to be confident. And Tracy is a little more reticent at times or cautious, but she's certainly confident and she can strut her stuff. I applaud her for it. So it really wasn't fair to neither Tracy or I. We're both kind of like, I think Tracy's quite confident. I sometimes don't feel very confident. I know my heart and that I've got a line of kindness and love within me. I know Tracy can be kind of snarky, right? And so by telling us, oh, you're this and she's that, it really... Um, when we were younger, put us in a position of, I think, over-identifying with those roles or over-judging ourselves. So Tracy's always been five to 10 pounds lighter than me. And so nobody, at least to my face, called me the fat one, <laughs> maybe behind my back. But I was aware um, that I have this thinner version of me walking around, at least for a very easy comparison. And so Tracy and I, thankfully, our family dynamics didn't reinforce it. I give big props to my parents. They didn't do that. They didn't say, oh, you're the athletic one or, oh, you're the smart one. I mean, they just let us be and we were both smart and we were both pretty non-athletic, <laughs> but they didn't do it. So thankfully, my parents didn't reinforce it, but the world was. And so this is something that I get. I get it. It's easy to just look around and find who you are as what you've been told in comparison to some other thing that is often viewed as more positive than you. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of um, anchoring in self to say, okay, no, this is who I am, not who I'm not. So let's do a little inquiry here for you. I want you to just take a deep breath, close your eyes if that's possible, and really honestly ask yourself, where does your self-identity come from? And this identity, where does it tell you that you're not measuring up if it's coming from others that you're not matching? And how does that feel? How does that feel to have 
someone, something else telling you what you're not as evidence of then, I guess, who you are. So it doesn't probably feel good. Okay, so coming out of that inquiry, I think it just brings awareness, I hope, to the fact that there's so much a part of us that's kind of just like lurking in the shadows of I'm not good enough. Look at them. Look at where I'm different. Look at where I'm not as good as them. I do this too much. I don't do enough of that. If only I did this. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know from the studio who are trying to, um, you know, be healthy and do things they know are good for themselves. But it's not coming from a place of, oh, because I love myself, I know I deserve this. It's coming from a place of, I look fat. I don't look how I look. Um, they think, I mean, I just feel so lazy. I just feel so much lesser than what I see around me. And when we're trying to make changes to ourselves based on where we just feel like we're not good enough for someone else or someone else's view of us, it's not usually a very successful campaign. The first work is always then how do we be kind and compassionate and self-loving to ourselves, so then we begin to take better care of ourselves. So the comparing mind, if you listen to it, you've internalized it. So it may have started out there, but internalizes it. And then we can either just get really down on ourselves, like we've discussed, or sometimes we even use this voice um, against others. So we become the judge and jury. And in order to feel in any way good about ourselves, we have to put others down to find that we're better than them. So if I'm feeling really bad about myself, I can look around and be like, yeah, but look at them and be all snarky and judgy. And maybe for a little bit of time, it gets me off the hook of having low self-worth, but it's not a long-term solution. And it's just kind of, you know, mean. Um, there's always going to be people that are better than you on some criteria. And there's always people that are going to be worse than you. Like, I'm always going to have people that I can run faster than, probably some like very old ladies, <laughs> but I'm always going to have people that are I'm much slower than, like the majority of the population. I'm a very slow runner. But the point being, if your bar of who you are and how good that makes you is a constantly moving target based on what's around you. You're never going to have true self-worth. You're never going to have true self-identity. You're going to be floating in relativity, unanchored, untethered, uninspired, just on defense, on reaction. And that is no way to feel stable, to feel strong, to feel self-aware, to feel in purpose, to know your path, to know who's right for you, what's right for you. How can any of these things that are so important to living a satisfying and purposeful life, how can they happen if you're only living in value and identity as a relationship to some standard that you didn't even consent to or determine yourself? But that's what most people are doing. But those of us who practice mindfulness are doing things a little bit differently because with mindfulness, we do the practices that get us in touch 
with what I call the inner compass. So an inner compass is a true north for you. It doesn't change with the tides or the wind or the clouds. It will always show you the way north. And this is based on your north, your criteria that you've judged, that you have decided this is what I value. And this compass doesn't force it or rush it, but it knows its own pace that's healthy for you and right for you and trusting on the path that's yours. And it's in response to your unique set of needs and strength. And it can't be altered. And it's fueled by self-kindness and compassion and what's right for you. And so the mindfulness practices I'm speaking of that help get us this inner compass are first self-awareness. So we, we do this work of just looking inward and saying, where's the goodness I see? And then we can also include our shadows. We have to include the parts where we don't feel so good about ourselves and merge those into the wholeness of ourselves so that we can accept all of us. Certainly there's things about myself that I don't need society to tell me I would like to shift. I don't need that external messaging. We're all hard enough on ourselves. We bring our shadow into the light in love and acceptance. We're not hiding anymore or, or shaming ourselves anymore or saying I'm no good because I don't have this thing or this thing. And we bring self-love. And once we have the self-love to exactly who we are, with clear eyes, warts and all, then we have healing. Then we have growth that comes from this healed space. And we can come into our purpose. We can come into a good life we love, even through its changes, especially through its changes. But it all comes from taking the leap to truly see ourselves to work with what our values don't align with within, not out of shame or judgment, but of saying, I deserve better. I am better. And then loving ourselves wholly when we trip, when we fall, when we smile, when we, when we jump, you know, all the time. Accepting ourselves exactly who we are. So I'm going to share a poem or reading by Ram Dass. He says, when you go into the woods and you look at the trees, you see all these different trees. Some of them are bent, some of them are straight, and some of them are evergreens, and some of them are whatever. And you look at the tree and you allow it, you appreciate it, and you see why it is the way it is. You sort of understand that it didn't get enough light, and so it turned that way. And you don't get all emotional about it, you just allow it, and you appreciate the tree. So what if we all just kind of looked at each other as members of these forests, including ourselves, trees that had different soil, different light, or part of a different species, and we just all look different, we behave differently, grow different, without anyone being better or worse. Like everyone loves the big oak tree, of course we do, but we also love, like, or at least I do, <laughs> the little sprouting guy. We're just coming up from the, the forest floor. So all of us trees with our different orientations and bents, we're part of these forests. And we do know from trees that they share resources, they share communication, even trees. I shouldn't say even, but even now we know that trees, of course, 
are super social and connected, just like humans. So to be in your own value and identity, it doesn't mean <laughs> we're not constantly going to be in a social environment, receiving communications, interacting with peers. And we don't want to shut that down. You know, we can't just tune out everything in order to maintain our inner integrity. And ultimately, that would limit us. We only know what we know. And our inner compass isn't pointing us to isolation and saying, I am alone, aware of all that's right and good. But no, it's just saying, I know I'm pointing to things. My inner compass will point me to things outside of myself that are right for me. So it makes sense to look around. It makes sense to look at the peers. It makes sense to look at communications. That's not really the problem. It's what we do with it. So if we go immediately into that judging the lack of self-worth, I'll never be that. Well, that's on you. There's alternatives. First of all, when we see people, especially those we love, succeeding, enjoying their success, having a huge impact and knowing their worth, Meet that with sympathetic joy. In our culture, it's unbelievable how when we see someone, especially a successful woman, owning that, living it, not apologizing for it, how much people try to shut them down, make them smaller. I mean, I'm first of all a huge Taylor Swift fan, but whether you are or you are not, and how could you not be, you've really got to be inspired, I hope, by the fact that she completely owns herself and her success. She sells out a stadium, a tour, makes a record number of anything. And she's like, yeah, I did this. And she's worked hard and she's earned it. So let's not cut down Taylor Swift because she's proud of what she's done. Let's not call her arrogant or whatever people say. But let's go, wow, that's inspiring. I don't have Taylor Swift's billions <laughs> or height or musical talent, but I don't feel bad as a result of that. Instead, I see a person who's really committed to their unique gifts, known who they really are, and powered through a lot of criticism and judgment and stayed true to who she is. So why can't we all be Taylor Swift? And if you don't like Taylor Swift, like find someone else who's your equivalent. Lizzo is another great example can observe others who are really owning their lives and doing amazing. Maybe they're at that, you know, peak movie moment where things are going great for them. And instead of trying to drag them down because it makes us feel bad to see someone shining, why don't we bask in their light a little bit and say, ooh, I'm going to get some of this light for myself too. So it's called an expander. Someone you see and you go, oh yeah, like that's for me too. I want some of that too. So when you see your friend crushing the new job or you see someone decide to live on their terms, to take their path, their purpose, and step out of the conventional or whatever it is that inspires you, it could make you feel jealous and be honest with yourself. Like if you are jealous, that's okay. I love it when I get jealous because and I'm like, yes, this shows me I want something. This shows me there's a place in my life that I want to expand. And so we don't, we might feel the jealousy, we might feel the envy, the very natural, but we don't focus on that. We, we just put that down and instead say, what is just showing me about myself that I can improve myself, 
um, I don't mean improve, like change yourself, be more of yourself, grow myself, follow a passion, a dream. So if we just tune out everyone, we never know options. Like if you never go to Italy, you don't know the option of having amazing pizza like that. (laughs) Even if you're like gluten intolerant, it seems to be okay. I mean, there's so many things. If you don't um, go to a concert, you don't see music. If you don't go to a museum, you don't know how amazing art is. And if I see like a Monet, I'm not sad that I'm not a great artist. I'm inspired by beauty and wonder how can I create more beauty in my life and channel the talents I have. So we can use our sense of comparison, well, I'm like that or I'm not like that, with what we see in our social world to say, yes, okay. I don't feel lousy. I feel inspired. And my inner compass is not pushed off course, but instead is now true to its course saying, we're going there. This takes a lot of patience with yourself, a lot of self-awareness, a lot of trust and self-love to say, I can do that too. And I trust my path will be my way. I don't have to be on exactly the same structured course of XYZ at this age. I mean, it's so easy for people to feel at certain um, ages, birthdays, like they're a failure because they were told They were supposed to have whatever children, whatever partner, whatever house, whatever job, blah, 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 blah. That's all garbage. Super garbage. What does your compass say? So let's come again into an inquiry. You can close your eyes or lower your gaze, whatever is comfortable in your situation. I want you to bring to mind somewhere that um, you usually judge yourself in. It makes you feel like a no. It makes you feel like not. But enough. Maybe it's seeing someone else's success or getting rejected by something. Just the absence of something. And this comparison of what you feel others have, other lives look like to you that makes you feel unworthy, be resentful or bitter, shutting down. I want you to maybe flip that on its back and say, well, what does this show me I want? Forget how I don't have it, but what does this show me I want? And not in a grasping way, you have to have that thing or you're no good, but is there a feeling that you're missing when you think of 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 not having or having this thing. Like if you don't have a certain job that you really want, how would that job make you feel? The qualifications of that job aren't really necessary to focus on, but how would you feel? Creative, supported, free? Same thing with whatever material, personal. Why do you get tangled in not having something. Let's focus on what if you did? What if you could? And then saying to yourself, why not? I'm not the problem. It's not an I'm not. It's a why not. And what's this inspiration show you? Can you breathe into the yes, you can. 
Yes, you can. Maybe not today. But trust your path, trust your pace. And today, be inspired by what's a not. Say why not. And then take the first step. Okay, coming out of inquiry, I hope you now see that comparing can be healthy for growth, not for perfection or like prodding yourself, but to say, ooh, I'm going that direction next. Like I'm ready. It's a kindness to yourself, not a punishment. It's a natural extension of who you are, not who you're not. So what you're jealous of, what you're thinking is lacking, these aren't things that aren't right for you. It's that you know that they are. But if they're not yours yet, doesn't mean you've screwed up or a failure. If your inner compass says, no, that's really ours too, then go for it. Your way, your path, your light showing you the way. Okay, let's come into a deeper meditation to connect with this. Finding whatever posture works for you today. Maybe you're sitting in a chair. Maybe you're walking. Maybe you're on the floor. Wherever you're meeting this, just allow yourself to turn your direction inward. If you can, close the eyes. That will facilitate. But otherwise, just let your awareness Turn in to feel the breath, to feel the inhales, feel the release on the exhales, letting the breath become your anchor, letting the breath guide you home, away from all the external comparison, and back to you. Finding a space within where the inhales sort of leave you and the exhales begin and let that be your, your spot of inner, inner compass, inner connection. Let that be where you land and you gather your energy and attention. Continuing to soften into that place to release all the entanglements outside of you and just let yourself come back to this internal place within you that's true north for you. So noticing where your energy and attention is still pulled out in a direction of thinking about something or someone else or just feeling an energetic pull. Maybe the body is still alert outside of you. It is breath by breath. I want you to continue to put all that down. You don't have to push it away or reject it, but just feel yourself unhook as you turn away and walk back home to this inner spot, this inner compass. Really fortify your attention there, breathing into an anchor, a place of true you, true north that lies within. Holding the center, this compass, you can sort of watch the needle of north on the compass. And as you hold yourself in this space, I just want you to 
allow yourself to hear without getting drawn into and to see without getting lost in it. The voices, the images, the stories, the languaging that is constantly coming at you from out there, telling you what you're supposed to be and what you're not. And it's not for your best interest. It's for someone else's purpose, not yours. Holding yourself within, with your inner compass, do you see how these lies and manipulations sort of get that needle off its course, confused. But then when you come back and you turn away from all that, when you say, no, that's not for me, that's not who I am, breathe in and remind yourself, who are you? Who are you? Remembering the goodness, the light, the completely unique way in which you are, breathe into that. Let that be your reminder and feel the stability returning to your inner compass and your inner guidance. Have you internalized these voices? Are the thoughts of the mind reinforcing the thoughts of the society, the culture telling you how to be, when to be, how fast, how slow. If your own thinking mind has become a parrot, just mimicking back what is heard, you can see that because your inner compass doesn't resonate with the path of those thoughts, the inner critic. And you can see clearly those aren't my thoughts. Those aren't my values. That's not my messaging that came from somewhere else. Let's breathe into the heart. The inner compass aligned completely with the energy of the heart. As we initially connect to the heart, let's connect to the things that are usually on top. The pain that comes from self-judgment, the armor that might come from defending ourselves if we feel inadequate. So where might you be struggling in the heart, feeling the normal grief or sadness that we feel when we're rejected or feel not good enough? Emotions or needs are fueling our buy-in to other people's labels stories, roles. Do you feel that hurts the heart? It confuses the compass. And so to get the heart back in line with compass, say something nice to yourself. Find that self-acceptance. Find that self-love no matter what. And as you begin to Give yourself permission to just be you and for that to be the starting baseline for you. That is enough. That is enough today and always to just be you and feel how the heart can receive that. Okay, we can work with that. Just being ourselves, that's enough. Exactly as we are, that's enough today. Meeting yourself with loving kindness, with compassion, with trust, 
with inspired awe. Find gratitude for your life, for your path, for all of you. The honoring and inspiration that comes from within when you see where you've followed your inner compass towards what matters for you, where you've stayed true to your values, and where you might desire more, more of you. You're not inadequate or failing. You're awesome. And you're going to go shine even brighter. You connect with inner north, who you are, your unique, self-determined path. So I'll close with a quote by Lisa Frost called Wisdom of the Soul. What if the sun stopped shining because it saw darkness surrounding it so it believed it was wrong? What if the rain stopped falling because it heard someone curse it so it believed it was worthless? What if the soul stopped sharing because it lacked the wisdom of the sun and the rain? So keep shining, keep falling, keep sharing, and keep being who you are, not who you are not. And keep saying, well, why not for me? Thank you for coming together today. I look forward to seeing you next time. In the meantime, be Ebtide well. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please support this podcast by clicking the like and subscribe buttons. And why not share it with someone else who might connect with it? I'll see you next time. In the meantime, be uptight well.